Well, thank you. Good morning, everyone. You know, I hope you all had a happy Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. You know, I once ate an entire pecan pie all by myself. Let me tell you, I wouldn't recommend it. I paid for that one for days. But seriously, I love Thanksgiving. It's my favorite holiday. And I know that as a Christian, it probably shouldn't be. But Thanksgiving is a holiday that's all about God. Thanksgiving has always been about showing gratitude to God. I mean, that's what the pilgrims were doing in Plymouth in 1621. They were in their second winter in America. The first winter had killed 44 of the original 102 colonists. Man, things were tough. At one point, their daily food ration was down to five kernels of corn apiece. Think about that. And then a blessing came. An unexpected trading vessel arrived, swapping them beaver pelts for more corn, thus providing for their needs. The next summer's crops brought hope. And Governor William Bradford decreed that December 13, 1621, be set aside as a day of feasting and prayer to give thanks to God for His gracious and sufficient provision. It was all about God. President Abraham Lincoln officially set aside the last Thursday of November in 1863 as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father. Thanksgiving has always been about God. It was never intended to be just about food. It was never intended to be about getting time off of work. It was never intended to be about football. And it was never intended to be about shopping. It was about giving thanks to God. It was about being thankful to God for all the blessings that He provides Now, let me tell you something you may not be aware of. This whole concept of Thanksgiving, it did not begin in 1621 like most of us are led to believe. If you go way back in the Old Testament, in the book of Leviticus, you'll find what was called the sacrifice of Thanksgiving, where an animal would be sacrificed, it would be offered up to God, and the people would eat this sacrifice, and they would share it with their family, giving thanks. To God. Sounds kind of familiar. I mean, granted, we don't have animal sacrifices anymore. That changed when Jesus Christ became our sacrifice. But if you think about it, the turkey kind of takes one for the team, right? The sacrifice of thanksgiving was willingly presented to the Lord with a heart of joy and gratitude, giving thanks to God for all He has done and for all He is going to do. Psalm 50 verse 23 says, Whoever offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving glorifies Me, and I will reveal the salvation of God to whomever continues in My way. Psalm 116 verse 17 says, I will offer you a sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. Friends, Thanksgiving has always been about God. Thanksgiving has always been about showing gratitude to God. And what really is amazing is this sacrifice of Thanksgiving. They did it every single day. 
every day they did this. It wasn't about setting aside one day a year to be thankful to God. It was about taking time every single day and showing gratitude. And what I want to look at today is how can we be more like that? How can our lives look more like that? Now, I named this teaching today, How the Heck Can We Be Thankful in 2020? And it's actually got to be said like that, too. How the heck can we be thankful in 2020? Now, here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to understand, that even in a year where COVID has ravaged our world, and just for the record, my grandson Charles Lucas thinks it's called Kobe 19. He thinks it's named after Kobe Bryant. Which, if you think about it, this all kind of started around the time that he passed away. So I kind of see where his confusion lies in it. But even in a year where COVID has changed our world and it's changed a lot of people's families, we can still be thankful to God. You know, even in a year where hate over the color of someone's skin or the color of someone's uniform has taken center stage, we can still be thankful to God. Even in a year where the ugliness of politics and the whole division that goes with it, all the finger pointing and all the bullying from both sides have shined center stage, we still have reason to give thanks and to show gratitude to God. And that reason is the big idea for today, and it is this. The focus is not where we are, but whose we are. The big idea for today is the focus is not where we are, but whose we are. So in John chapter 16, verse 33, in the first half of this scripture, Jesus says, In this world you will have trouble. Listen, as Christians, we have favor. We do. Make no mistake about it. But we are not exempt from struggles. We are not immune from sickness. The Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Jesus says you will have trouble. There will be storms in your life. There's going to be problems in the world. But the second half of this scripture, Jesus says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus is saying, I took care of things. Focus on me. I'm bigger than the things that are going on around you. I'm greater than whatever you may be facing. You know, it makes me think of the story of uh, Jesus calming the storm. And this is a story that's recorded in Matthew. It's recorded in Mark, Luke. It's where after an evening spent teaching and healing people, Jesus wanted to cross the Sea of Galilee. So he loads up the disciples in a boat and they take off. And in Matthew chapter 24... It says, without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. So we have to believe that 
this must have been a pretty bad storm since it's terrified a boat full of fishermen. Because, I mean, that's what these disciples, most of them, were until they, till Jesus came along. So they're terrified. And it says Jesus is sleeping. Mark actually describes it in a little more detail. He says Jesus is in the stern, asleep on a cushion. So we have like thunder roaring and Jesus snoring. We have disciples that are screaming and Jesus is dreaming. You know another thing that I find strange about this story? These disciples, they're following Jesus because they believe He's the Messiah. They believe He's the Son of God. And He's been performing miracles. And He's been uh, doing healings to prove that He is who He says He is. And yet they're still all afraid. I mean, I find it highly unlikely God would send His only Son to save the world just to lose Him in a boating accident. But they're scared. They're all scared and they're focusing on the storm. So they wake Jesus up. And in my head, in my head, this would kind of play out with Jesus like popping up saying, Yes, my children. I heareth your call. I filleth your fear. I shall now calmeth your storm. But I don't think Jesus got enough Nappy nap time in because he sounds kind of irritated. And in verse 26, he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. You see, the disciples were focusing more on what they were going through than who they were going through it with. They were focusing on where they were instead of whose they were. God is in control. Even in a storm. God is in control even in an election year. God is in control. Even in a pandemic, God is in control. You see, sometimes we have to go through stuff to get where we're going. We have to go through bad stuff to get to good stuff. We have to experience things we don't want to see to get to where God wants us to be. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You see, the people in the book of Leviticus, they they offered up this sacrifice of thanksgiving on a daily basis, being thankful, showing gratitude by taking the focus off of them and putting it on God. Believing that God is bigger than anything. God is greater than everything. And that He is in control. So that's, why we should be thankful. And now let's talk about how we can be thankful. I'm going to give you three ways to daily show gratitude to God. And the first is the way we think. The way we think. You know who I like to listen to? Joel Osteen. I do. 
Now, I know Christians love to bash Joel. This has been like the end thing for years. He rarely teaches from Scripture. Listen, I don't watch Joel to learn the Bible. I study the Bible myself. When I need help with something, I go to Chris. He's my pastor, not Joel. But I listen to Joel because it's always a feel-good message. It's always uplifting when I hear that. And you know what? It's, it's always positive. And the thing is, there is power in positive thinking. It says so in the Bible. Proverbs 23, verse 7 says, As someone thinks within himself, so he is. Which means the person who says they can and the person who says they can't are both right. You see, when it comes to thankfulness, when it comes to being grateful, the key to being is seeing. What you choose to see determines your reality. And you have the power to change your reality by shifting your focus. Philippians 4 verse 8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. It's all about what you focus on. My wife told me this morning I was pretty. Actually, she said I was pretty annoying. But I choose to focus on the positives, huh? You see, what you focus on becomes your perspective. It's how you look at things. And that's the key to being thankful. We have a picture here that's going to go up on the screen of a cup. Now, some of you may view this cup as half empty, while others of you view it as half full. And that's, that's your perspective. But this perspective of yours is more than just a glass of water. It's how you view life. You see, those who have a half-empty perspective often tend to fail to see what they have. Instead, they focus on what they don't have. They focus on what's missing. They focus on that empty half. They look at the negative of things despite the positives. They're not thinking how fortunate they are to have that full half. They're not thinking how blessed they are that God gave them that portion Man, they're locked in on what's missing. They're locked in on what they don't have. You see, the most unhappy people are those who have a half-empty attitude because they're never thankful. Because they never see what they have as a blessing. They fail to see what they have around them. They fail to see who they have around them sometimes. And they focus so much on what God hasn't blessed them with that they don't see what God has blessed them with, and God doesn't get the thanks that He deserves. You see, the key to gratitude is to focus on what you have, not on what you don't have. And as Christians, this focus extends much further. You remember our big idea, it's not where we are, but whose we are. It's not about what we have, but who we have. It's all about Jesus Christ. 
For us, everything is about Jesus Christ. Ultimately, everything points to Jesus. It's not about us. It's about Him. It's not what we do. It's what He did. You see, He needs to be our focus. Romans 12 verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So one way to daily show gratitude to God is by the way we think. Another way to show thanks to God is the way we act. The way we act. Colossians 3 verse 17 says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So we show gratitude to God by the way we honor Him with our actions, by the way that we speak, by the things that we do. Now, it's easy to honor God when things are going well. That's easy. The true test of character, the true test of integrity is how we honor God, how we conduct ourselves when things aren't going very well. And I think it's safe to say 2020 is not really going all that well. You know, a couple months ago, I took my uh, son Ethan and my grandson, Charles Lucas, to Brown County for a few days over fall break. We stayed in a cabin, we hiked, we swam at the Abe Martin Lodge. We got a pick here of us. Or of them, anyways. My grandson, Charles Lucas, the little one, he, he really thinks he's a ninja. He's convinced of this. So as we were hiking, we was having to, like, kill zombies and stuff, too, with our sticks. But anyways, I learned two very important things on this trip. One, Charles Lucas likes to cuddle. You see, we, he and I shared a bed, and he literally slept on top of me, loving on me, hugging on me. I mean, it was so sweet. Second thing I learned, he pees the bed. Not so sweet. I probably should have been briefed on that one beforehand. But here's the thing. I wasn't going to let a negative experience ruin or overshadow everything else i mean i was blessed to be able to hang out with my son and my grandson in brown county in the fall of all times when god's beauty is on display i mean what a blessing you see you can't let your circumstances determine your thankfulness you can't let whatever your current situation is determine how grateful you are to god we can glorify God in victory. We can glorify God in defeat. We can honor God in success. We can honor God in failure. We can thank God in good times. And we can thank God in not so good times. It's not about where we are, but whose we are. Man, just because a situation isn't good, it doesn't mean God isn't good. We can praise God in adversity. 
You know, the, the Apostle Paul, man, the Apostle Paul faced many adversities. This is a guy that was shipwrecked twice. He was stoned with rocks and left for dead. He was abandoned by his friends. Yet in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18, it says, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Paul wrote that. Now, he didn't say, give thanks for all circumstances. He said, give thanks in all circumstances. We don't have to be thankful for something bad happening to us, but we can be thankful that God's bigger than anything we face. We can be thankful that God is working in the midst of it all. In the book of Acts, there's a story about Paul Paul's on his uh, second missionary journey. He's accompanied by uh, a gentleman named Silas, and they're in the city of Philippi, and they come across a slave girl who had a spirit in her by which she could predict the future. So she was a fortune teller. And the scripture says she earned a great deal of money for her owners. So she's following Paul and Silas around, and she keeps yelling things at him and yelling things out about him and it's funny because Paul kind of gets annoyed and he commands by the name of Jesus Christ for the spirit to come out of her. Uh oh. This means that the owners just lost their income. They're not happy about this. This causes a huge uproar. Paul and Silas are stripped and beaten. They're then thrown into prison and in Acts Chapter 16, verse 25, it says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. So these guys were just stripped, beaten, thrown into prison, yet they are worshiping God in their circumstance. They're praising and thanking God, not because their circumstance is good, but because their God is good. And this praising, this thanking, it like opened up a floodgate of blessings. Scripture tells us God sent an earthquake that snapped their chains. The jailer and his family gave their lives to Christ and were baptized. Paul and Silas got their wounds bandaged, got a nice meal, and in the morning word was sent to release them. And it all started with praising God in a tough situation, in spite of what was happening all around them. (laughs) Paul and Silas didn't know anything was going to happen. Heck, they would have just continued singing and praising even if nothing would have happened because it wasn't about where they were, it was about whose they were. Man, when we get that, I mean, when we truly get that, it's then that we begin to see what's really important. What really matters in life, how lucky we are, how much that we have to truly be thankful for. Man, and it starts to show. It shows on our faces because we start to smile more. It shows in our words because we start to speak differently. It shows in our actions because we start to do things differently. 
It changes us. And God's glorified in it. God is honored by the way we think and He is honored by the way we act. And this leads to the third way to show gratitude to God on a daily basis. And it's the way we love. The way we love. First Corinthians chapter 16 verse 14 says, Do everything. In love. Philippians 1 verse 9, Paul writes, I pray that your love will overflow. Man, if something is overflowing, people notice it, don't they? It's like like the water that was up there on the screen earlier. If you continue to pour into it, and it would be like overflowing and spilling. Spilling over and like running everywhere. It would be like getting all over everything. Let me ask you this. Do you think the people who know you well, the people who are around you regularly, do you think they would describe you that way? As someone who is overflowing with love. But yet as Christians, we're called to be that. We're commanded to do that. In John chapter 13 verses 34 and 35, Jesus says, "A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love Another, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love another. Jesus says, I command you. I command you to love one another. This is how Christians are recognized. And then to avoid any kind of confusion, he says, you are to love the way I loved. How did Jesus love? Unconditionally. Jesus loved unconditionally. Jesus loved everyone. Man, Jesus loved poor people. Jesus loved thieves. Jesus loved diseased people. Jesus loved prostitutes. Jesus loved those who followed Him. Jesus loved those who shunned Him. Man, and yet some of us still want to pick and choose who we love. We base it on social status, social views, political views, lifestyle choices. Jesus didn't pick and choose who He loved. And thank goodness, Jesus didn't pick and choose who He died for. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. It was a gift. It's called grace. It was offered up out of love. And the thing is, Jesus commands us to do the same. To offer up love to others, not based on what they've done, but based on what He did. 
Man, when we understand grace, when we truly grasp that concept, when you comprehend what Jesus has done for you, the gift that Jesus has given you, you can't help but be thankful. Gratitude is a natural byproduct. And you can't help but to overflow with love. And people notice it. And people are impacted by it. And our God is glorified. You know, 2020, man, 2020 has been a tough year for all of us. Every single one of us has been impacted by 2020. Man, we've had to change the way we do things. Work looks different. School looks different. Life is different. And some people can't even see their loved ones. Some people can only see them through a window. One of my neighbors... Two houses to my east. They're an elderly couple in their 80s. Married for 60 plus years. She had a stroke. Goes to the hospital. He can't be with her. She gets out, put in a nursing home. He can't see her. Four months later, he dies alone. Two months later, she passes alone. I mean, how sad is that? It wasn't supposed to be like this. And man, we've all felt it to some degree. My family hasn't been exempt from getting sucker punched in 2020. Besides the obvious stuff that we all share, some financial hits, some social things of not being able to see certain people. We had some health issues this year. I had surgery. My wife almost lost her mom to COVID. It was hit or miss. She's still battling long-term effects months later. And then something that we've just kind of kept private is we lost a grandchild. Hardest thing I've had to deal with. But yet through it all, man, we felt God's presence. Honestly, I think my wife and I experienced Him in ways we probably never experienced before. It's like through some of the darkest moments, God shows up in the brightest ways. And I think that that's that whole favor thing that I spoke about earlier. So I can tell you, regardless of what's going to happen, we're going to praise Him. Not because of where we are, but because of whose we are. 
And we are going to trust in Him. We believe that those who leave everything in God's hand will eventually see God's hand in everything. Psalm 118, verse 24 says, This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So how the heck can we be thankful in 2020? By the way we think, by the way we act, and by the way we love. Let's bow our heads. Well, dear God, we just uh, come before you right now in a, in a time filled with fear. God, in a season that's just uh, kind of filled with worry and so much uncertainty. And we just thank you, God, for your word. God, we thank you for your promise that you will never leave us. You will never forsake us. And God, we desire to honor you more. God, by the way we think, by the way we act, by the way we love, we want to glorify you, God. We want to point other people to you. And God, as 2020 has taught us that uh, we don't know what lies ahead. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. And as I've said so many times today, it's not about where we are, but whose we are. It's also true. It's not about where we are, but where we're going. So if there's anyone here or that's listening on the live stream that has never made the decision to accept Jesus into their lives but are ready to do so, I invite them to share this prayer with me. And they can speak it out loud. They can speak it in their hearts. It doesn't matter. But if you're ready to seal your salvation, if you're ready to have your name written in the book of life, repeat after me, Dear God, I admit that I am a sinner and I ask for forgiveness for the things I've done. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and was raised to bring me new life. I confess Him now as my Lord and Savior. I commit my life to Him from this day forward. I welcome the Holy Spirit into my life to guide me from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray.